Now, with no further ado, one of the pastors and mentors in my life for almost two decades, can you stand to your feet and give wild applause for Robbie Johnson, the executive pastor of Greenhouse Church in Gainesville, as he brings the word, and he hates when I do this, but I'm gonna do it every time. Thank you, John. Have a seat, have a seat. Appreciate the welcome, though. I do, um, I, I'm so encouraged because I went to Guyana with Michelle. Where's Michelle? Everybody, wild applause for Michelle back in the back. And all of our Guyanese crews watch, watching in Guyana right now. Um, earlier in October, we went, and we stopped by this coffee shop, and we met uh, one of her Guyanese friends there to explain kind of what was happening in the country of Guyana. And they had cheese bread there. And I know it just sounds very simple and cheesy, but I, it was so good, we came back later that day and bought more cheese bread. So when I got here this morning, Michelle gave me some Guyanese cheese bread from a bakery here in town, all right? So I figured I would share it because it is better to give than receive. I kept three pieces, but I have two pieces that I'm willing to give away. Would anybody like to try this bread, this cheese bread, which is absolutely... I'm totally throwing it. You got to be willing to catch it. All right, here we go. That is my bad. I didn't think all the way through that at all. Who else would like some all the way in the back? Can you take it or split it with them in the back? Split it with them in the back? <laughs> it's like, no, the, the, it stops here. All the way in the back. Hand was up back there. Amazing, amazing. So, uh, hey, my name is Robbie, and uh, really good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, came down from Gainesville this morning, actually, and I was transported. I made the trip in three hours. I jumped a city somehow. I jumped a city, and uh, but uh, really excited to preach this morning. But before I do, I had a really crazy experience yesterday. I figured I'd share, and I'd pray for a group of people. If you are a small business owner in the room, wave at me real big. Wave at me real big. Yeah, quite a few of you. If you would like to be on your own business at some point, wave at me. But you don't right now, okay? All right, good. A good group in here, right? So yesterday I had a cool experience because a friend of mine um, is a small business owner, and he started, took over a boat manufacturing company in a small town outside of Gainesville called Chiefland maybe about three years ago. And just going through that whole startup over the past three years, I've been with him in the journey. Somehow or another, God orchestrated where he was able to purchase a, a shut-down boating factory of 25 acres, like 150,000 square feet of facility. Crazy, right? So yesterday, I get, on Thursday of this week, I got a text that says, Hey, Robbie, 10 a.m. Saturday morning, meet me and the five lunar men here. And I was like, doesn't that sound weird? Does anybody else sound weird? So I'm like... Okay, like I like the guy and I trust him. So um, 10 a.m., my wife's like, where are you going on a Saturday morning at like 9.45? And I was like, to meet the lunar men. And she's like, what? So I drive about 20 minutes to the small town, Alachua, this outside of Gainesville. I get there and there's two guys there, which are not the lunar men. And this guy and his wife, he's one of the lunar men. And then all of a sudden these three other men come in and we sit down and it was the most fascinating thing because he said, he said, all right, so these three guys and me make up four of the lunar men. There's a fifth one. I said, what is a lunar man? And he said, I just loved God a lot and I love his creativity and I love businesses and I want to intersect them. And I saw a book 
on a table, and I got to read this book. The book was called The Lunar Men. And when I saw it, I opened it up. And it was about some men in England a couple hundred years ago that through the night, once a month, when it was a full moon, they would travel and they would meet overnight and they would pray together. They'd ask God for ideas of creative businesses that they were supposed to do. So once a month through the moon, they would travel overnight because they didn't have, they couldn't, I don't know the whole story. I got to read the book. You maybe should read the book too. Hopefully it's not a bad book. I'm in trouble right now. We'll take that part offline. But this is what was cool. Two of the guys were his employees, and it was him and his wife, these two guys' employees, and me, and there was three of the lunar men. And when he goes, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. I paired all you guys up, and for the next hour and a half, I want you to walk this property and pray for it. Pray for the business. Pray for the employees. Pray for the vision. Pray for the provision. Pray for the impact it's going to make in every single employee, what it's going to do for this community. We want to do something here that's going to make God's name great. And I was like, how long? <laughs> so he paired me up with some random guy named Tom that was, was a lunar man. And <laughs> yes, I said, what's your name? He's like, we need to pray. And I was like, exactly. <laughs> so, so we walked to the back of the property. You know, it's a huge 25-acre property. And I was like, well, I said, so what's going to happen here? He's like, we're just going to walk and pray whatever God brings to mind on your heart. And for an hour and a half, we just walk. And I'm a relational guy. I love relating to God, but when I want humans, I like to do both. John knows this. John's like, let's pray. And I was like, well, let's talk about what we're going to pray about because I like to dialogue. But he just wanted to pray, and we prayed an hour, and I don't want to exaggerate, at least an hour and 15 minutes of let's read Bible verses, let's pray these verses, listen and pray. So then we all reconvened in this conference room. So there's four of the lunar men, one of his, the wife, two employees, and me. And the two employees were like, what business am I in right now? So we sit around the conference table. He breaks out this notepad, and he says, all right, what did God show you? It was awesome. He's like, you, what'd you, what'd you pray? He's like, well, I prayed this. He started writing it down. He's like, what'd you pray? Boom. Like, what'd you pray? And for another hour, we took, well, for about 30 minutes, he wrote down notes from prayers. And then he says, all right, let's pray into this. And we prayed like another 45 minutes. Next thing you know, they're praying for the employees. And the employees are like, what is happening right now? Then they're like, we got to pray for Robbie. So then they pray for me. It was a four-hour lunar adventure, all right? A four-hour lunar adventure. So for the business owners, raise your hand again if you're a small business owner, all right? You're on a faith adventure, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more um, a journey with God than starting a business and running your own business. It's like... My dad, I grew up with a small business owner. I was like, Dad, can we go on vacation this year? He's like, Robbie, if I go on vacation, there's no money that comes in. So I got to save, I got to work extra for six months. And so small business ownership is a journey with God like no other journey. Well, not no other, but I'm just saying like <laughs> it's a big journey. And then if you're going to adventure in one. So I just thought about sharing that, for one, to maybe give you a, a playbook of sorts. Of those of you who want to start a business, raise your hand if you want to start a business. Then when you start it with a firm foundation, it changes the pathway altogether. You take the mountains low and you bring the valleys up so the king can be a part of your business adventure and you do it with him. 
So I want to pray for the business owners right now. So if you're a business owner, stand. Come on, stand right now. We're going to pray for you. I'm going to pray a couple of things. I'm going to pray God blesses you, strengthens you, provides for you, prospers you. And number two is this. You need some lunar men and lunar women in your life. John referred to this about the advisors in your life. I'm going to pray for people to come alongside of you. They're going to give you the wisdom and insight you need to run your business well. So God, thank you that you are great and you are good and you're strong. Thank you for the men and women that are in this room right now that are watching online, that you've given them an idea to bring heaven to earth through a unique business. And I just bless them. Just bless them. Let their joy levels be high. Let their faith levels be high. Let their homes be blessed. Let their businesses be blessed. But we spend a lot of time in our work, and we want our work to be a place of joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. So right now, Lord, prosper them in Jesus' name. Prosper them physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And we pray that the relationships they need to make their business successful, you would provide them. The wisdom they're crying out for, you would give it, Lord. The insights into the market they're trying to penetrate, you would give them those insights and give them great joy and faith in the journey. In Jesus' name, if you agree, would you say amen? Have a seat. Love you guys. Come on. What a journey. What a cool adventure. All right, I get to preach this morning. If you got a Bible, open up to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to preach a sermon called The Lunar Men. I'm just kidding. Isaiah chapter 40. We're in this series about believing big and asking God to do some things that are earth-shattering. And I would encourage you, even next week, I think is next week the last, no, we got, next week is the last one in the series, that you're maybe even going to write some down, but hopefully you're, and this is what my journal has right now, is a few things I'm asking God for that only God could do. A few things ministry-wise with Greenhouse, and a few things personally with my marriage, with my family. And I pray you would write some big prayers down, that, and hopefully through this series you're believing big. But if you're like a lot of us in this room, you are faith challenged. You're like, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I remember being a, a college student, I first came to Christ, and I remember praying for someone that, um, that was sick. And uh, we, were, we took the Bible, and the Bible says you can go and lay hands on people and pray for them, and they would get well. So I was following what the Bible said. I was praying for people, and they weren't getting well. And they're like, you need more faith. And I was like, I know. <laughs> and they're like, we'll do it. And I was like, more like you just you don't even know what to do in those moments right but you feel the pressure to have faith to see people healed how do you get more faith how do you get more faith and where we're going to go in Isaiah chapter 40 is this is this passage in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 9 where I think it's one of the keys how do you get more faith and how do you grow in your faith and this is the answer your faith it's not about the size of your faith it's the object of your faith that makes all the difference. We have humanized it so much where it's so dependent upon us, but it really needs to be all on him. So Luke chapter, I'm going to read two passages. Actually, stand with me, stand with me, just because we love the Bible. We want to honor the scriptures in reading them. We're going to read Isaiah chapter 40, and then Luke chapter 17. Isaiah chapter 40 says this. 
I think I'm going to read the version that's on the screen with you guys, because I have God's version. This is a little alternate version. And uh, <laughs> now again, Isaiah chapter, uh, the book of Isaiah is a cool book because the first 39 chapters, the people are in captivity. There's judgment. Chapter 40, it's kind of like a chapter turns in the people of God's life where you see it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a book of hope. It's a prophet of hope in this moment. And here you have in verse 9, go up. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Say those last three words with me. Behold your God. Go with me to Luke, Luke chapter 17. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Have, how many of you prayed that at some point in the last year? Increase, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Why? Why could you have faith as a small as a mustard seed and tell a mountain to move and tell a tree to be uprooted? Because it is not about the mustard seed. It's, about, it's not about your mustard seed. It's not about your little bit of faith. It's about our God and how big and strong he is. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for everyone that's gathered right now in this room, everyone online right now. They have a mustard seed. We're bringing our mustard seeds this morning. We're bringing our mustard seeds to a big God that can do something with them. And I pray, God, from that you would increase our faith in Jesus' name. If you're good, would you say amen? Have a seat. I think we have misunderstood the nature of faith. It's not how optimistic you can be in your situation, about your business, about your family, about your lost loved one, about, your, about the situation. It's not how optimistic you can be, but about how great he is. The goal of this message right now is to make Jesus great, to make him shine. Because trust me, if you're in here right now, you probably have moments of like, feeling of faith and great moments of real doubt and fear. And I want to preach a message that's based off of a prayer I used to pray all the time right before I would eat. And it would say like this, God is great. God is good. Let us. First point is this, God is great. Behold your God and God is great. Go up on a mountain and proclaim, behold your God. I would say this culture is starving for and searching for and looking for a great God. And they're substituting. It's like when you've been in, if you've been in starving countries before, you see sometimes they take mud and they throw some sugar with it and they make a mud patty and they eat it. And you're like, there's actually nothing in that. And a lot of times, culturally right now, people are running. They're looking for a great God, but instead, the church and the world and humanity has given them a pseudo-God. God is great. If you look in this book in Isaiah chapter 6, you see one of the more um, known passages in Isaiah where um, he's standing in the temple and he sees the greatness of God and he says three words. You guys remember those words? Holy, holy, holy. Holy, and he stands in the temple. He's like, "Oh no, I'm in trouble because God is great." And he saw His Majesty. We are wired to look for and want to see and want to know the greatness of God. Moses, 
God, show me your glory. We want to see God. We are, humanity is looking for God. Israel was in a place for the first 39 chapters. They were very impressed with their captors, very impressed with the strength and might of them. And in chapter 40, you get where he is saying, listen, I know your captors. I know those who are oppressing oppressing you were great, but look at your God. Your God is great. You read in chapter 40, verses 12 through 14, and we'll skim through some of these passages because it says, who has held? And it's talking about God in verse 12. It says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off, off the heaven? Who has held the dust of the earth in a, ba- in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in the balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord? Who did the Lord consult to enlighten him? In other words, he's asking a rhetorical question because it was our great God. The nations are like a drop. All the nations in verses 15 through 17. Verses 18 through 20 is three religious versions of comparison. To whom then? Talking about other idols and things in this world is like our God. Behold your God. To whom will you compare me is in verse verse. Chapter 40, verse 25. I love it. Our tech girl is trying to keep up with these verses, and she is doing great. Come on. Our God is great. And we see glimpses, and they were meant to be signs. It's like in the book of Acts when the apostles were doing all these signs, and someone was trying to buy them. Does anybody remember this? They were trying to buy them. And the apostles like, no, no, no. The signs were never meant to be the end game. They were meant to literally be signs of a God who is great and strong. It's like sun rises or sun sets. I was driving early this morning, and it was dark when I left. And I could watch in the horizon the sun come up. The problem with humanity is we've stopped and we sit on and we admire the creation. The creation was never meant to be the end game. People drive and fly to different places and we'll go like, we want to catch the sunset. Maybe you've been over to like Fort Myers in Naples or and we'll go over to like Cedar Key in the Tampa area. And to watch a sunset is breathtaking, isn't it? But it was never meant to be the end game. It was meant to be pointing to a creator. The creation was meant to point to something. Even when you see kings and queens and prime ministers and presidents and you see the the pomp and the circumstance. It's a glimpse of a great king and they were never meant to be worshiped. I would argue humans can't handle worship. When I see great athletes going crazy in their head, I think it's because they are absorbing the worship that was never meant for them. When you see people say, all glory to God, I know some people are being religious about it. Can I just say, it is dangerous. I mean, I appreciate even the standing ovation, but I just, I'm like, oh no, God. Like any, anything gift in you or me that would maybe help someone should ultimately be a reflection to him. We should never absorb his glory. I mean, do you get a little fear and trembling in the Bible when someone said, oh, you are a God, and he didn't say, no, I'm not a God, and God struck him dead? (laughs) I mean, when I read that, I'm like, oh, look, let's just read the Gospels. The Gospel is Jesus healing. Oh, he just killed him. (laughs) I was in, um, there's this, I don't know if you have them down here. They're called Maple Street Baker. Do you guys have Maple Street? They're like a knockoff of Chick-fil-A. It's like really good chicken biscuits, just a little bit lower. 
But when they ask you questions, when you come in an order, they ask a question like, uh, you know, who's your favorite musician? And so let's just say you said Justin Bieber, right? And they come in the, <laughs> and they'd say, Justin Bieber, your chicken is ready, right? So they would yell it. So I'm in there, in there uh, I'd stop by there, I saw a friend there, so I popped in, I'm saying hey to them. And they yell out, um, the question was, who would you like to have in your, what family would you like to have in your house for dinner? And there's a restaurant full, and they yelled out one of our president's names in the past. And you could see the whole place was like, Whoa. I mean, it was, <laughs> everyone stopped eating. And the people were like, thanks for, thank you for that. I don't think they understood what the question meant. But I was like, I, I, I appreciate, and I think the dignitaries and the queens and the kings and everything that we see, but it's supposed to ultimately get our gaze a little bit higher because great is God and no one should be touching his glory. Even sometimes they're like, you see songs and there's this song, by the reason I just to be on my mind about this song called Anyone. And you're like, man, the song is so good and so catchy. If you just replaced a few words, it could be a worship song. I, I get that, but there should be some songs that there's no question who the song is about. That the glory is clearly just going here. It's about him and it brings adoration and praise to God. Great is God. And I, I hope spouses in here, you're like, my, my, my spouse is beautiful. Amanda, my wife, is beautiful. But she's not holy, holy, holy. Even some of the words we use so much in our culture, then we sing them as descriptors and adjectives of God get mixed up, right? When we say words like awesome or good or great, and we ascribe them to God, I'm like, gosh, man, Lord, is there any words that can only be when I talk about you? Because there should be no comparison between what we say about you and what we're saying about humans. So my wife is good, but you're like, you're not, you're, you're up here, you're way up here. I, it's a tension we live in, isn't it? Because our, our vocabulary is very, my vocabulary is very limited. John's is very expansive. John has words he could only use for God. Mine's kind of limited, and I don't have a lot of them. So. Lift up your eyes and see. There's got to be some moments throughout your day where you breathe in, and you're like, you take in a breath, and you're like, oh, God, you've given me breath. You just, you're just incredible. Great is God. We will always be faith challenged until we see the grandeur of our God. Because it's not about our faith. It's about the object of our faith. And when you hold him in the highest esteem, you see his greatness. In Psalm chapter 48, and I think I have some of the verses up here. And I'll read your version so I don't, um, I don't mess with you. In Psalm chapter 48, maybe. Yes, great is the Lord greatly to be praised in the city of our God. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. Say it with me. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. Psalm chapter 90, verse 2. I think I have that one too. You can yell no. You can be like, no, you don't have that one. Do Psalm, do Psalm 102. Oh, you have Psalm chapter 
Uh, yeah, great. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. Psalm chapter 95, verse 3. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Psalm, let's do First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 also. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Like I'd even say like when you're reading the Lord's Prayer, reciting the Lord's Prayer, there needs to be this stop and pause of like, hallowed be your name. I think we want his kingdom to come, right? Our Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I think a lot of our prayers, hallowed be your name, so please come down. <laughs> hallowed, God, you're great, come and do something about this situation. I think there needs to be this behold, behold our God moment of truly hallowing his name and revering his name and making much of him and sitting and saying, you are great. I would say this, even as you're going throughout your day and you see something that sticks out of like, that's beautiful. That person's smart. That person's really good looking. That person's really athletic. This person's really wise. Wow, the strategy in his mind or her mind is awesome. The communication ability here, the teacher here, the work ethic here. As you see humanity in its function, don't worship the gifts that are in humanity. Worship the creator. When you see, like even creation, like when you pull out, they say the average person touches their phone, pulls out their phone 96 times a day. That's, I figured that's kind of low, right? When I look at this, I'm like, wow, this is insane. Like you can access the whole world. When I went to, I traveled overseas to a mission trip to South Africa like 17 years ago. My daughter was turning one. So I, I was like, man, I don't want to be gone for two weeks for my daughter. So I was like, I, you can't FaceTime. I remember not being able to FaceTime, not being able to call, but I was going to be away from her. And I was like, the night before I left, she took her first steps. So I got to experience that. Then I'm like, hey, I'll see you in two weeks. So to send her to, so I could connect with her still, I took a VHS recorder. Does anybody know what those, anybody with me here? I filmed myself every day for two weeks leading up to it. I'd like, hey, Anna, good morning. This is your dad. Remember, you know, and so glad to see you. I'm in another country right now. And then I would pray for it and I'd say, hit pause and you can keep playing it later. <laughs> you guys remember this? Now it's like, I literally can be like, you know, this morning when I get done here, she's 18, so I was, <laughs> if I FaceTime her now, she's like, what do you want, you know? <laughs> when, it was, when she was two, it was like, dad, you know? Oh, the days, sorry, God, you're great, you know? <laughs> but when I think about the creativity and ingenuity. I think of missionaries when I've read stories about Hudson Taylor who was going to China and when he was 21 years old, he's on a boat and he looks at his mom, says bye and he turns away and he says, I knew she was crying but I couldn't look at her again because I didn't want the last image I would ever have of my mom to be of her crying because I would never come back and she would never be able to see me again. Maybe she would get letters from me. 
So when I think of like the accessibility, I'm like, man, thank you for guys like Steve Jobs and the gifts you put in them to create this, but I will not worship Steve Jobs because he is not great. He's not, I don't say behold Steve Jobs, I say behold our God. God is great. It's not the size of your faith. When we're talking about believing big, we're not saying believe big, believe big. We say believe, like it's not the size of your faith, it's the object of your faith. Believe big is making much of Jesus. It's true worship. It's adoration of him, reverence of him. pausing and you see this in the Psalms when you read the Psalms it's like Selah and it's like just stop and pause what do you do about the greatness of God you just you just stop and you're like just pause the one application I would say is as we're believing big the one application that we're going to be getting is Selah is to sit and wait and listen and meditate and chew and adore God in the moments that seem like man couldn't have done this. God is great. Amen? But it's not just God is great. And this is, this is fascinating to me because he could just be great and deserve our worship. But he's good. He's good. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, it says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. We can read this version up here. It says this, behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. What's fascinating about God is that he's not just great, but he is actually good to humanity. He's actually good to us. And it's hard to even grasp this because in, it says that, you know, the disciples were asking or um, um, someone came to him and they were like, um, hey, good teacher. He's like, whoa, 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 no one's good but God. So sometimes the word usage, like I said a little bit early, gets challenging. Um, I'm listening to a book by Jackie Hill Perry, a phenomenal writer called um, Holier Than Thou. And it's a whole book about can you get the right understanding of who God is? Can you understand how great he is? Can you grasp holy holy, holy. Even in scripture, Jesus would say, truly, truly, you've heard it said. He kind of re-emphasized it when he would say it twice. So when you're thinking of holy, 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 Jackie Hill Perry's like, listen, you're talking like God is trying to emphasize and help us understanding how set apart and different and unique he is. She uses illustration of like, you know, there, there's usually about one time a year, us as a family, and I've seen this in other families, that there's certain dishes that you would actually use. Most of the time, it's paper plates and the chipped up ones I got in my when I got married 19 years ago. That's the predominant plates we use, right? Then like on a very special occasion, 
we'll open up the cabinet, we'll pull out these dishes, we'll use them, and then we're like, don't touch that, don't cut anything on that plate, you know, and then you put them back away. That's the holiness and the reverence and how separate God is, right? But what's fascinating is it's not just his nature is holy and great, but his nature is good. He is huge, he is great, he is mighty, he is powerful, he is just, but he is also a shepherd. It's like, have you guys seen the King Kong movies? Sounds like no. <laughs> I also have a 14-year-old son, and we watch everything manly on, on earth we can. But King Kong is like massive and strong and powerful. But then when he's with Jane, you see something with strength and might that could crush like this. But there's a tenderness, tenderness and a care and a gentleness. Moses even said, show me your glory. This is in Exodus. Show me your glory, God. And it says, and God made his goodness pass before Moses. If you want to see the glory of God, it will be displayed in his goodness. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 and 29, it's actually Jesus is revealing the heart of God. I think, I think I have those verses. Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 and 29, where it talks about his burden is light, his Yoke is easy. I'll put it right here. I am making her work. Take you to lunch. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, this is the one time in the New Testament talks about God's heart. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. It is very fascinating to me that God can be so strong and so powerful and so much might, but then be so good, be so gentle, to be so lowly, to be so invested in your life. To be so intricate in details to demonstrate his care for you. That he could, even yesterday when those men were praying for me, the lunar men, when the lunar men were praying for me, they, he, the one guy was like, you are so unique and you are so special to God. And I was like, and he wants you to know there's no other son he has like you. And I was like, amen. <laughs> and then he, he's praying for the other guy, the employee, and he's like, he wants you to know that you are unique. And I was like, <gasps> and he's like, and there is no one like you. I was like, I was literally on the other side of the table, like, uh, excuse me, um, I am God's favorite. And then he looked, he, he, it's like the guy read my mind. These guys are so full of the spirit, man. They were just there for three days to just pray with their brother who brought a business and pray over it and strategize with them. It was beautiful, right? They do, once a year they get together and do this, flying from all over the nations. It was really cool. But he looked, he, it's like he read my mind. He's like, and God has a capacity to care for all his children this way, just like I have three sons and I love them all the most. And I was like, that's right. <laughs> see, when you see the grandeur of your God, how great he is, you'll see how good he is. You'll start to recognize all the intricate ways he has been communicating to you and trying to get your attention throughout life. 
in that same coffee shop, I just happened to see a guy's vehicle that I recognized. It was a very distinct vehicle. That's how I could see it. And I drove by, so I pulled in. I walk in, and that's when I heard the story about the, the, the have the family for lunch. And I'm standing there talking with him. And I said, yeah, man, I'm glad I dropped in. And he stood there, and he said, I remember when you dropped in a different coffee shop eight years ago. You're passing by. And guys, it was fascinating. He started crying. I'm like on the verge of tears in this moment, Friday morning. Eight years ago, I'd preached on a Sunday on addiction. And on Monday, I'm walking into this coffee shop in Gainesville. And he says, Pastor Robbie. And I turned and he stands up. Same guy. Never met him before. He's like, I'm so-and-so. Cheated on my wife three months ago. She found out. And our marriage is a wreck right now. Your message gave me hope yesterday. Can you talk for a few minutes? So eight years later, new coffee shop. He's like, his marriage is doing great. And God has changed. Their, I mean, it's beautiful what God's done in their life. And he sat there, and we don't connect the dots. I, I probably eat lunch with him about once a month. And uh, if we never, like, reflect on that moment. But it was in that moment we recognized. And you know what we did? He said this, and we just paused, and we sat there. I didn't, I didn't go, Selah. <laughs> it was like this moment of greatness and goodness, and it intersected our lives. Where we were like, oh, and we worshiped. And I, it just reminds me, God's in the intricate details and his goodness is being passed before you all day to days in ways you could never even imagine. If you had your eyes open, you would recognize him. It's just not that God is great. Listen to me. I want your faith level to rise. Your faith level is going to rise when your faith gets off your ability to trust in God and how great God is, then you'll see his goodness on display. Here's another crazy story. Now listen, guys, I some of these stories involve me because I have my life. I don't have, like, somebody else's life with stories. Does, does that make sense? <laughs> and I have, you know, um, the, uh, this, is, this is a wild one. Um, a friend of mine that owns a pretty, um, he doesn't come to our church, but um, he owns a, a large, very influential nonprofit in Gainesville. And I'll leave it there in case someone sees it. And uh, his, um, it was very frustrating, the guy that is his boss. And this guy's a, the, my friend is a brilliant leader, very smart. And, um, he calls me on a Friday, and he says, uh, he explains a story about he's about to quit, about to start um, a whole nother nonprofit and basically take everything from this one. I mean, it was just, it was about to be a, a mess. And so uh, he explains the whole thing. He didn't really ask my opinion. He was just telling me what he's doing and everything. He's strategizing and how he's going to move. And in the conversation, I had this uneasiness, but I was like, all right, you know, he, we don't have that type of relationship where he's really asking me to speak into it. He's just telling me what's happening and asking me to kind of pray for him. He wasn't asking my opinion on it. So I'm preaching that Sunday. So I preached that Sunday in Gainesville. This is about six months ago. And then on Monday morning, I'm sitting on my back porch. You know, i got to be honest with you, I felt miserable. I didn't feel great. Um, so I'm just kind of reading my Bible a little bit, praying. It's kind of like the Monday after preaching. And I'm sitting there, and I reflect back on my conversation with him. I was like, man. sat there and I, God, what do you think? So finally, I took, it took me like 30 minutes to craft one text message. Can you guys relate to those? <laughs> it's 
think you reread it, you reread it, reread it. This is dangerous. I'm going there. I'm just kind of getting in those waters a little bit. This could ruin a relationship or it could change the world. You guys know those text messages? <laughs> I've ruined too many relationships. <laughs> and I sat there and I, I hit send. 30 seconds go by and he calls me. And he, yeah, it's like, oh, then you're like, oh, I'm in trouble. And he's like, why'd you send that? And I was like, I was like, I'm just sitting here on my back porch praying for you, and I couldn't get out of my mind. So I just figured I'd, I'd text you. I don't feel good about that decision. And I know you've got friends that know much more detail, but it just didn't sit well with me. And he's like, it doesn't sit well with me either. And I was like, okay. He's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. God's been downloading stuff to me. <laughs> then, then you step into the authority. Actually, thus saith the Lord. I've got a message. Uh, and, um, and I'm like, and he's telling the process is actually like he's having some real oppression from his boss. And he was actually going to be like kind of like an Absalom moment. If you know the story, Saul and Absalom and David, David and Saul, he was getting a Saul leader. He was a David trying to do things right. And he was about to take the kingdom from the guy. It's kind of the story. I said, hey, I said, well, do, do me a favor. There's a book. I'm going to lend it to you on Audible right now. It's called The Tale of Three Kings, and it talks about three kings, Saul, David, Absalom, and how David responded to Saul and how David responded to Absalom is trying to take the kingdom. I said, just listen to it before you go into your meeting this afternoon. He's like, well, I got a meeting at 4 o'clock today with my boss. And I was like, all right, um, just listen to it. So the next day, he calls me, and he, I said, no, I text him the next day. I said, hey, man, how'd the meeting go? And he calls me, and he says, he goes, it went good. I said, what'd you do? And he's like, I just humbled myself. And God did his work because I was humble. He said that he goes, everything's going to be okay. And then he started crying. He's in his early 40s. I'm 45. He's like, you just changed the second half of my life. Yeah. I was like, so he's sobbing. Now I'm sobbing. He's like, I still don't know why you texted me. And we sat there, and I didn't go, Selah, you know. <laughs> I didn't pull a Selah, but we just sat there. He cried on the other end of the phone. I'm crying on this phone. And then we were like, and he was like, thank you. And then we didn't talk again for six weeks. We don't, it's not like an intimate relationship I have with this guy or anything like that. And I'm like, Lord, you're good. You're good. And he's like, why would you text? I said, God. I said, I sat here, and I went to pray, and God said, I, I got stuff for you to do, son. And I was like, well, no, no, no. I'm not gonna, you ever done this? I'm not texting by my prayer time. This is for you, God. And he's like, no, no. And there's a tension in that, right? Because it can be a distraction. So you're sitting there in your prayer time, text so-and-so. like, that's just a distraction because you're lazy. You don't want to pray. You don't want to be disciplined, blah, 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 right? But for that one, it moved. And it just reminded me, in those moments with a guy in the coffee shop, in the moments with this, this um, nonprofit leader, I'm sitting in these moments. I'm like, God, you are great. And you're not just great in some far off distance that you spun the world and you're letting it go. You are good and you're involved in the intricate details of our life. God is great and he is good. Selah. Selah. If we want the faith level of your life and in this community to rise, Selah. Pause. Reflect. Listen. Absorb the greatness and the goodness of God. He is gentle. He is humble. He is lowly. 
in heart. Pastor Michael, when we were working on this sermon together, he's preaching something a little bit different up in Gainesville. And uh, he was telling the story of his daughters coming running down the um, running down the hallway. And she's like, Daddy, I don't feel good. I think I'm about to. And he's like, Robbie, I hate throw up. And I was like, me too. And he said, so you know, but you know what I did in that moment? I just hugged my girl, and she threw up, and I just caught it. And I said, it's okay. <laughs> God is able to love us like that. You feel like you vomit all the time, and you do. But in the midst of your darkest moment, the moment you feel like you are the worst you have been, God is still good. He's still catching it. He's still taking you to the bathroom. He's still cleaning you up. He's still giving you medicine. He is not just great. He is a father that engages with you in your roughest moments. I'll never forget, I was riding with my sister. I'm, six, I'm 14 years old. She's 16, and she's driving. It's on a two-lane road. She's on the steering wheel like, with her hands are like this, and I'm messing with something up here. She says, let me fix it. And she rolls over to fix it. She swerves, she snatches it back, she comes across the road, hits the ditch, jumps out, and never hits the brake, so it stays in cruise control and sticks in the ground. I will never forget when my dad showed up. He parked the car, we're about 15 minutes from the house. He gets out, and my dad's a big dude, and he comes walking. And if we just kind of like step back, we're like, oh, I'm like, I'm like, you're gonna, you know, I'm a 14 year old teenage boy. It's like, you about to get it, you need to get it, get that belt out, dad, get that belt, come on, you know. <laughs> and he comes up to her and he looks at the truck. He comes over there and hugs her. He says, "Spilt milk." We can get new cars. I'm just glad you're okay. There's only one you. My daughter got in a wreck Friday night. She shows up, totally her fault. She's like, Dad, my car. You know what I did? I was like, we can get more cars. There's only one you. My daughter's been throwing up on me for about six months now. <laughs> it was tough to do that one. <laughs> you know, when you've been loved, how can you genuinely love someone? When your father shows up when you're wrecking cars and he embraces you in the moment when people are trying to wreck your life and wreck your family and wreck your business, you can give them something if you've, seen, if you, if you've received it. You can give something if you've received it. Christians are not understanding the greatness of God and the goodness of God. They are not receiving the greatness of God and receiving the goodness of God. So when the world is vomiting on them, they are pushing it away instead of embracing a vomiting world. What we need is a group of believers that are so in love with the greatness of God, 
but then receiving his goodness and his gentleness and his lowliness and this, this changing our life so that when we go into our microchurches and, and so that we go into our workplaces and so that we go into our classrooms and so we go to strangers and as they vomit on us, we squeeze them tightly. And as they spit on us and as they do their thing and as humans do, as we do to each other, we embrace them more deeply. That will change a world. And people, yeah, come on, man, let's go. That is easy to preach, harder to do. The message of this message is, say aloud. God, you are great. God, you are good. Last verse, and I think worship team, you guys can come on out. We're going we're gonna to worship. We're going to get our eyes on him. You know, in the Old Testament, um, there was snakes biting a bunch of people. And they looked at a staff, and they were physically healed. In John chapter 3, this is right before, this is verse 15, right before verse 16. In verse 16, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, right? Right before that is verse 15, where he talks about, He's lifting up his son. All who look to him will be healed. The hope for us is for our salvation, for our faith to grow, is not to work harder for salvation or work harder necessarily for faith, but it's to look to God. As we look to the greatness, as we look to Jesus, we get transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory. He makes our faces radiant. So we're going to close. Won't you stand with me around the room? And can I get some of our prayer team up here in the front? Come and stand with me. And as they lead us in a song, and we lift our voices, we lift our hearts, we lift our gaze to him. If you would like someone to pray with you, we would love to pray with you. If you want to know Jesus and have a real eternal relationship with God, we'd love to introduce you to him this morning. Um, He'll change your life, give you the greatest joy, peace. It may not change, your circumstances may not change, but your inside will change. And I don't know what vomit you brought in here this morning. Trust me, we all have our vomit. We are Greenhouse Church Vomit Anonymous, whatever that is. And we bring a lot to the table, but God embraces us and we embrace each other in the journey. And we'll meet you right here this morning. Let me pray for us. Let's see. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for us, resurrecting from the dead, and giving us an opportunity for new life. And we praise you. We pray this morning. Selah. And we just adore you. We worship you. We say, Great is your name. Thank you for your greatness and your glory. We say, Hallowed be the name of Jesus. A name that is above every other name. I pray, Lord, today, this week, will be a day where we hallow your name, we revere your name, we recognize your greatness, and then we can see your goodness at work with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together. If you'd like prayer, you can come up here.